Hey there, future fans. This week, it's not a dingo that ate our baby. Our teacher is out to get us, and we may just get justice for Han. It's the week of August 2nd, 2019, and you are listening to episode 144 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Alright everyone, welcome to the show. We're back. We're back after a week break. It turned out that I did need to skip the episode for the readathon last week. It also turns out that I needed to change some of my picks because um, I can't read that fast. But I did it. I did read seven books in seven days-ish. And now I am back uh, next month, or this month actually. I'm recording this in July and it's August when this posts. But all of August is another readathon, and uh, since it's a month-long one, I don't think I'll have to miss anything, because, hey, I have a whole month to read eight books. If I can read seven books in seven days, I can read eight books in a month. I, I think that's doable. Well, a lot has happened since we have last spoke, my friends, and uh, we'll go over some of it. I'm not going to go too in-depth, because if, if you care, you have seen all of the Comic-Con trailers. There was some really cool stuff, but as far as the trailer goes, there wasn't enough for me to warrant its own episode. I think a lot of the news was really cool, and if, if I had more time on my hands, I may have done a breakdown of just the news. But uh, but this way, I think I'll just mention some things that you probably already know, talk about some new news, and then get on with the show. So let us start, as we always do, with just a little bit of housekeeping. What is this show? Who am I? What do I do here? What is the meaning of life? And I swear to God, I will not say 42. Well, you are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. I am Billiam, and this is a show where I talk about movies. But not just movies in general. No, no, no. I talk about all of the movies coming out during the week. But we don't start there. We start all the way with the news. That's any new news that has caught my eye since the last episode. And then we talk about trailers. And just like the news, any new trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode. With both of those, I am not perfect. If I ever miss anything that you think I should be talking about, please let me know. We then jump into the movies, which are broken up into two categories. That is... The first being limited releases. Just like it sounds, those are any limited releases that didn't catch my eye. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad. It just means that the trailer didn't do enough to make me want to see it. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I do not get any insider knowledge. I do not get any advanced screenings. I do not get anything besides your love and admiration. Thank you. Which I do appreciate, but since I don't get any insider information, I base all of my ratings, all of my judgments, everything I think on the trailers, and I think that's a good way of doing things, because trailers are how movies sell themselves to us. Just think about it like a car commercial. Chevy has piss-poor car commercials. They're awful and they're embarrassing, and I never want to buy a Chevy. Nissan, on the other hand, I really enjoy some of their commercials. I will buy a Nissan, please. One Nissan. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but on YouTube, there's this channel called Zebra Corner, and they make fun of the Chevy trailers, and it's it's pretty good. Um, I think it's going a little downhill, but a lot of the original ones were great because it just picked on the absurdity of the commercials. It's like, these are real people, not actors. I'm like, oh, th so these tools that are spouting buzzwords aren't actors. Oh, that's great. I, I believe that. But we got off topic, which we tend to do here, but I promise that the... I, I promise that my... Tirades and tangents don't last that long. Well, limited releases, let me tell you what we do. We tell you what the movie is. I say we, but it's just me, with the help of my lovely wife, who uh, is rarely heard on the show, because she, she always says no. So I tell you what the movie is, I tell you what it's about, I tell you who's in it, and I leave it there. Sometimes I'll say a word or two. But other than that, we just move on into the next segment, which is the wide releases and interesting indies, which is exactly what it sounds like. All wide releases, doesn't matter how good or bad it looks, and any indies that caught my eye. In this section, I tell you the name, who's in it, what the movie's about, and then I give my thoughts on it, and then I wrap it all up with a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score. 
a.k.a. The Bills Score. The Bills Score can go anywhere from a 0 for those awful movies to an 11 for those movies that turn it up that extra notch. You know, when it comes to ratings, uh, Anne helped me figure out something not too long ago when we were looking at book reviews on Goodreads and how sometimes when you look at a uh, out of five stars, if you look at something that's like three, you're kind of like, eh, maybe I won't, but three's not bad. That's out of five. That's more than half. So anything I rate from a six to a seven, seven to eight, that's, that's not bad. I mean, it may not be a nine or 10, but hey, six and seven ain't bad. I do give you a pick of the week and the pick of the week means that if I have to see a movie this week, it will be said movie. And I want you to know I'm always honest about it. If I want to see the big blockbuster for an entire month each week, I will tell you. I will not try and pretend I'm some uppity hipster and pick some indie film. Though, if, um, like like a couple weeks back, when my pick was The Farewell, I will give you an alternate pick, usually a big blockbuster. Because remember, my friends, on Future Flicks, we care about one thing, and that's fun. Or just straight-up enjoyment. Does the movie look like it would be enjoyable? That's what we care about here. But enough about that. Let us jump into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. If you are familiar at all with the interwebs, you may be familiar with the Justice for Han movement, which revolves around the Fast and the Furious series. A lot of fans are angry that not not only did Han die, which... Yes, I'm pissed off about. You know, we knew Han died in Fast and Furious 3 in, in Tokyo Drift, but they could have brought him back. It could have been, he could have gone into hiding or some shit, but no, you you kept him dead and then you showed Deckard Shaw kill him. And now you're giving us a movie where Deckard Shaw is the good guy. H- how about you go f*** yourself? That's a lie. I really want to see this movie, but the creators, the people, the minds behind the Fast and Furious series promise that justice for Han will come at the end of Deckard Shaw's quote-unquote mega arc. Mega arcs, of course, are more than just a regular story arc. It is something that spans more than one movie. The Hulk's story in the MCU has been a mega arc because it spans more than one movie. So the justice will come, but the question is, will the justice come from Deckard Shaw being punished, or will it come from him doing the right thing, and more than in just this movie? Chris Morgan, who is a writer on the series, said that about the death of Han and it being on the mind of Deckard Shaw, he says, it is on his mind, it tortures him, and he's going to get to it. Morgan has previously hinted that Han could make a comeback in the franchise, and he says if Han does come back, it may even be in space. And yes, please, more over-the-top ridiculously impossible 100% CG but oh-so-fun action, please. This next story comes to us from BuzzFeed. Captain America was apparently going to be decapitated in Avengers Endgame. No, I don't count this as a spoiler because I don't say what actually happens to Captain America, if anything. But there was going to be a scene where Captain America got decapitated by Thanos, which never made it to film. Since I've been gone, ladies and gentlemen, we now know that Avengers Endgame did beat Avatar for the highest grossing movie of all time. Highest grossing movie of all time, of course, when inflation is not taken into account. When you take inflation into account, it is still gone with the wind. Which blows my mind. That movie is not as good as everyone says it is. And my mom would f***ing kill me if she heard me say that. Uh, But if you remember, back before the Avengers Endgame re-release, it was projected that it would still not beat Avatar. Well, those projections are, or were, incorrect. And about this whole thing, it looks like James Cameron is purified water. That's to say he's not salty about it because he congratulated them. This next story comes to us from Nerdist. Some people may be wondering, what's next for the Russo brothers after Avengers Endgame? Well, for those of you wondering, the Russo brothers are producing a new Battle of the Planets. Battle of the Planets, of course, a very old Japanese anime that actually made it over to America before anime was cool. Uh, it was it went from 1978 to 1980. It lasts about 50 episodes. And if you are an 80s kid, you will recognize it. Even if you've never fully seen an episode, if you just see the characters, you'll know exactly what it is. So check it out. Uh, this next story comes to us from Sci-Fi Wire. If you remember back when Lion King had first come out, the, the original movie, 
there was a little bit of controversy at the time that that didn't really do much back then, but it kind of grew as time passed. And now it's kind of just something you'll hear rumblings of every once in a while that the Lion King was a ripoff of Kimba the White Lion, which is a Japanese anime. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with this at all, but there are there there are certain scenes in both movies that are the same. The stories are very similar and for a long time, I did believe it was a straight ripoff because we know Disney back then. Disney back then loved to produce kids movies, but they didn't have many original ideas of their own, which is really why I grew into a state of hating Disney until now, which I'm like, yeah, f***ing bring it, Disney. Give me more. Well, it turns out that the original writer and director of Lion King has come forward talking about this. And I won't exactly quote him because it's not that big of a deal, but he did say that they didn't purposely do it, but after watching The Lion King and Kimba, he says it. there are, and I'll quote this part, the similarities are undeniable, but again, I don't think it was done with any intention. And you know what? This is something people are going to be talking about forever. Maybe not you or me, but there, there are certain people who will just bring this up from time to time. I honestly now, I honestly don't think it was done on purpose. I think it was a coincidence or maybe someone Someone who worked for the movie had the idea and didn't realize where it came from. Have, have you ever done that? Because when I was still in a writing class, I, I, I forgot what movie it was, but I had an idea. I'm like, oh, this is a f***ing great idea. How has no one done this before? I will do it. So I started writing it. I told my writing group about that. And, like, and they said, oh, you mean this movie? I'm like, oh, I 100% ripped it off from a movie. So I will give uh, the people behind Lion King the benefit of the doubt. Next story comes to us from IndieWire. In an interview, composer Michael Giacchino says that what Matt Reeves is planning for the Batman is pretty damn awesome. Turns out Matt Reeves and Michael Giacchino are friends, and Giacchino said, Matt wanted me to tell you that he's working very hard to make a good movie. I've actually been able to see a few things that he's shown me that he's working on, and it's pretty damn awesome. It looks really amazing. So that at least gives me hope. In a story from comicbook.com, we are getting two animated Superman movies. And you may have noticed I've never really talked about a DC animated movie before, unless it was shitting on Teen Titans Go, which is a terrible idea. That's because most of DC's animated movies go straight to streaming, straight to Blu-ray, and don't even make it on my radar. Not that I have anything against them, I, I just don't see them on the sites I use for upcoming movies. That being said, there's a huge following for DC animated films. People love them. They are really good. And now we're getting two Superman ones. First man is Superman Red Sun. This is, of course, based off the limited series that asks the question, what would have happened to Superman if he landed in communist Russia instead of Smallville? And Superman Man of Tomorrow will also be coming out, but I'm more excited for Superman Red Sun. In news from Entertainment Weekly, Linda Hamilton puts in her two cents on why none of the Terminator movies past T2 have done well. And she says because it lacks character development. And okay, yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. Because if you look at anything past Judgment Day, they are your typical action blockbuster movie, which you know I love. I know a bunch of you love. There's nothing wrong with it, but it didn't have what made T1 and T2 great. I do like Terminator 3. I do like Terminator Genesis. I do like Terminator Salvation, but for completely different reasons. And I am really looking forward to ter this new Terminator movie, which just like this new the new Halloween movie from a, a few years back, will retcon all the movies that people had issue with. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the news. I, I know a lot of stuff has come out. I, I really do. Uh, so I'm not going to cover all of Comic-Con's news and trailers because there, there really was a lot. Uh, even though nothing huge really stuck out to me except for the news that we are getting a female Thor. Just like in the comic books, Jane Foster is going to take over for, for Thor and it is going to be Natalie Portman, which shocked me because I thought she would walk away from all things comic book because she, she doesn't seem the type, does she, to do comic book movies. So she did one movie and then she... No, she did two movies. She did Thor and Thor 2, and then she recorded some audio for Avengers Endgame. But now we're going to get her as Thor in Phase 5. But what about Phase 4? Well, we now know all the movies coming out in Phase 4. If you want to look up the full list, it's easy to find. But some of the things I'm really excited for are Nova, Warlock, The Thunderbolts, two new Spider-Man movies. Uh, one of them, I believe, is animated. I'm not sure if the other one is live action or not. I hope it is. Uh, the fourth Thor movie, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, 
a Fantastic Four movie done by Disney. Another Doctor Strange movie, uh, Black Panther movie. The only ones I'm not sold on. And you know what one of them is going to be. You know I'm not sold on Black Widow. I, I think they should drop her entirely or replace her. But also the Wasp escaped from the microverse. Um, okay, really? I understand that moving forward with the MCU, they want more, more inclusion, more women, more people of color. Uh, they want LGBT representation. I get that. I do. The Wasp? Really? No. Well, wait and see. But what about you, ladies and gentlemen? What did you hear about or from Comic-Con 2019? Is there anything you think I should talk about? Hopefully next year I'll go to Comic-Con. I've never been to one. I want to go, but it, it kind of looks like a, a personal hell for me. Just because I like conventions. I don't mind crowds. I've been to huge festivals. I've been to conventions before. But that one just looks like a crush of humanity. And uh, no thanks, but I feel like I have to. Because I do live uh, within an eight, nine hour drive of San Diego, so it's doable. Uh, Ann and I can go down. I can I can go in there for a little bit, and then we can just spend time around San Diego, not at the con. Maybe we'll do that. Who, who knows? But that is it for the news. As always, if I miss something that you think I should talk about, let me know. But let us step into our next segment, which is everyone's favorite segment, the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Troll. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, we have some fun stuff. We have some good stuff coming out. Let's start with one of the Comic-Con trailers. We have the trailer for Zombieland 2, finally. This film is called Zombieland Double Tap, and it comes out almost, oh no, a little over. It comes out over 10 years since the original one. You remember when the first one came out, right? And it blew everyone's minds because it was funny. It was a zombie movie, but it was a zombie movie that we weren't tired of because it didn't really have all the tropes that the, that the other zombie movies did. It, ha it had comedy in it. It reminded us that, that Woody Harrelson is great. And then we're thinking, of course, they have to do a sequel to this. It was so big and it was so good. And then it never happened. There are always rumors. There were always rumors about Zombieland 2, and here it is. This is coming out October 18th, 2019. The original cast returns also has Zoe Deutsch, Rosario Dawson, Luke Wilson, Thomas Middletich, and also has Dan Aykroyd and supposedly Bill Murray returning. So all of our favorite characters return. They are still part of the same group. They are now on the East Coast. As we see in the beginning of the trailer, they are going to the White House. And this is the first we've seen from Zombieland in a long time. If, if you remember in 2013, they tried to do a TV series and it actually turned into a TV movie because I think it was canceled before it even started. But I am excited for this. This looks good. Next up, we have the trailer for Top Gun Maverick. This, of course, is the sequel to the 1986 classic Tom Cruise movie, Top Gun. And I am more excited than I thought I'd be, which is to say I'm excited at all. Uh, I do want to see this. I'm not so stoked that I need it right now, but it's more than I thought I would feel for this movie because I thought it's too little too late, but it, it doesn't look that bad. And especially since it doesn't look like they're going to just give Maverick the old rub and tug and make him an admiral or something. In fact, they even say in the trailer that you're not an admiral. Like all these years, you're still a captain. Why is that? Uh, Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer are returning, uh, not returning, even though she's still acting as Kelly McGillis. Uh, weirdly enough, Anthony Edwards is not returning. What? Sorry, was that was that too soon? In an interview, they uh, she said that they didn't ask her back probably because she got old and fat. And in her defense, she's not fat. She's just not 20-something anymore. Is that how old she was in the first one? I don't know. But she's in that place where... If she was a regular human being, just a regular person, we would go, oh, yeah, she looks, she's looking good. But because she's in Hollywood, because she's an actress, especially an actress, because we all know Hollywood is unfair to women when it comes to looks, um, you know, men too, of course. This comes from all sides and hits everyone. Uh, but especially with women, it's not okay to let your age show. And if you do, you have to do it like Helen Mirren. You have to do it like Meryl Streep. And she doesn't have any regrets, she says, but good for her. But let's not talk about that anymore. Let's talk about Top Gun Maverick and how it looks pretty good. Uh, we don't know too much about the story so far. The official plot is unknown, but we know that Maverick is still a captain. We know that he's still flying planes. 
we know that there's now a younger generation of fighter pilots played by Miles Teller. Miles Teller is one of them. We know that added to the cast are Jennifer Connelly and John Hamm, as well as Ed Harris, uh, Lewis Pullman as well. So even though it's too early to speculate because they've been keeping the plot pretty hush-hush, we can guess that it has something to do with Miles Teller playing Goose's, who I think is Goose's kid because Miles Teller's character is named Bradley Bradshaw, which I think is a terrible name for him, but Bradshaw was Goose's last name. Well, let's move on to the next trailer that we got during Comic-Con, and that's for It Chapter 2. And Oh my god, I need this now. This looks so good. And it looks better than I could have hoped, because I read the book, I'm, I'm a fan of the book, but the books and the movies are two totally different things. Because I never found the books that scary. Some people did, um, but some people are wusses. But these two movies, even though it's spread over two movies, has to take this over thousand page book and boil it down. So I think they're doing the best job that they can. And I think they're changing things. I think that's okay because there are certain things that need to change. And I think that this is going to be the best we could get. I, I loved the old made-for-TV movie. It's a classic. I love it. I still find it a little scary. Just Tim Curry's Pennywise is great. But but Bill Skarsgård Pennywise is creepy as f It is great. I cannot wait. Especially for the older cast, for James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, Bill Hader, and the final non-TV show trailer that I noticed from the Comic-Con wrap-up. Yes, I know a lot of cool stuff came out, but a lot of them were TV shows, and I thought I would, you know, just stick to movies unlike previous years. Uh, but the final trailer I noticed... And of course, if I missed one, let me know. I'm always interested just because if I missed, especially Comic-Con trailer, that means I, I probably missed something pretty cool. But the final trailer we got was for Ad Astra. That is the sci-fi movie coming out with Brad Pitt, Liv Tyler, Tommy Lee Jones, Do Donald Sutherland, Ruth Nega. And I always hate saying her last name because of what it sounds a lot like. But it looks really good. This is that one about an astronaut who travels to the outer edges of the solar system to find his father and unravel a mystery that threatens the survival of our planet. He uncovers secrets which challenge the nature of human existence and our planet in the cosmos. And yes, more original sci-fi, please. Don't get me wrong. I love movies based off books, based off comic books. I love, I, I, I even love remakes, okay? I love remakes, reboots. I love all that sh**. It's fun. It's great. But original sci-fi, please. More of it. Thank you very much. And now let's talk about the non-Comic-Con uh, non trailers. First, we got to look at Jojo Rabbit. And yes, yes, and yes. Jojo Rabbit, of course, if you are not familiar with it, is the Taika Waititi directed and starring movie. And this is about a young boy in Hitler's youth who finds out his mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their home. But there's a little more to it than that. This young boy has an imaginary friend. And that imaginary friend is Hitler himself. Besides Taika Waititi, who plays Hitler, Waititi in whiteface playing Hitler, we have Sam Rockwell, Scarlett Johansson, Rebel Wilson, Alfie, Alfie Allen, and Stephen Merchant, and I cannot wait. This looks great, and it comes out October 18th. Uh, we also had another trailer for Night Hunter. I, I believe I've talked about it before, so I won't talk too much about it, but this is the uh, movie starring Henry Cavill, Alexandra Daddario, Stanley Tucci, Ben Kingsley, Nathan Fillion, which is an amazing cast. That's all I need. Just give me that cast and have them read a phone book. I'm happy. But this movie is about a, a serial killer. These, uh, these cops or special forces people or whatever, th these people who hunt bad guys find a serial killer and they believe there's more to it that he's hiding. Also, they run into this ex-judge who now has turned into a vigilante who offers to help them. So even though they have this killer under in custody, he's still somehow killing people and they have to find out why. They have to find out how. They have to find out who he's already killed and stop it. And I think this looks really good. It comes out September 6th. We have a trailer for Three from Hell, but Rob Zombie's garbage and you should skip this. I'm sorry, Roz. Next up, we have a trailer that's a biopic, but I think a slightly ho Hollywoodized one about Harriet Tubman. I am interested in seeing this. We have Cynthia Erivo, er er I think is how you say it. She's that British... Uh, actress, you may recognize her with her regular hair, which is like very close shaven bleach blonde. 
but she's playing Harriet Tubman and she looks really good in this. I think that, uh, unfortunately, I, I do have to say this. I think that part of the reason she would get an Oscar nod is because of all the eyes being on the fact that she's a woman of color, that this is a biopic about a hero for people of, not just people of color, for people who like being free. And it looks like she's doing a great job in this role. It looks like it's really good. But I fear that any nomination she may get for this will also be overshadowed with the fact that is she getting it because she deserves it? Or is she getting it because the Academy doesn't want to be looked at as racist again? Either way, at least right now, it looks like she's going to deserve a lot of praise. This looks amazing. It stars her, Janelle Monet, and it comes out on, let's see, November 1st. We also have a trailer for a Casey Affleck movie called Light of My Life. It's written, directed, and starring Casey Affleck. And if you've ever heard the premise for Why the Last Man, imagine that, but just flip the genders. Instead of all the men in the world dying out, all the women in the world die out. Casey Affleck is left with his child, who he says is a boy. Turns out it's a girl and he's keeping her in hiding. Uh, this movie has come under fire because people are uh, people are only seeing the fact that all women are killed off in the movie. So it's all it's basically an all male cast except for flashbacks that include Elizabeth Moss. But most of that outrage is coming from those people, you know, that type of people who just looks for reasons to be outraged about. Shit. Uh, my issue with this is that it looks like it could be equally good or equally terrible. Because Anne has pointed this out a lot before, but whenever we see movies set in a post-apocalyptic setting or, or any setting really, where there's just a big group of guys together and they're hunting a woman, it's probably gonna get rapey. And even though this is a child, I don't put it past them to try and at least hint at, oh, we wanna breed her later. And I think this has a chance of getting really creepy, really disgusting, or it could equally not be. Uh, I don't entirely trust Casey Affleck. Uh, I like some of the movies he's been in. I, I do like him as an as an actor in most of what I've seen him in. There are other things that I could definitely leave and never watch again. And Anne just reminded me that Why the Last Man, the TV show, was canceled, so we're never going to see it. So maybe this is the best we're going to get. Who knows? We're getting a sequel to Supersize Me, which, um, why? No, no, no real idea why. Uh, we have a Goldfinch trailer, which is based off a book by Donna Tart, and uh, I want to read the book, but it's like 700 something pages and I'm scared of big words. So I'm going to let Anne read that first. This takes place in New, mostly in New York. So a boy in New York is taken in by a wealthy Upper East Side family after his mother is killed in a bombing at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. It stars Ansel Elgore, uh, Nicole Kidman, Sarah Paulson, Phil Finn, bleh, Finn Wolfhard who I really hope grows into his looks because he looks so punchable right now. And I were watching Stranger Things uh, season three and the whole time I just wanted to punch him in the face. Even when his character wasn't being a piece of crap, he just had that face where I go, I just want to punch this kid. I want to do physical violence to a teenager just because of his face. And um, yeah, it sucks for him. Either way, it does look good. I, I do want to read the book, hopefully before the movie comes out, or I'll listen to the audiobook. Yay, that. And ladies and gentlemen, the final trailer. And I actually recorded this over two days, so if I missed a trailer from Comic-Con, a movie trailer from Comic-Con, or if I missed a movie trailer that came out, always let me know. But the final trailer that I'm going to remember to talk about is for an upcoming anime called Weathering With You, coming to us from writer-director Makoto Shinkai, who brought us 2016's sleeper hit Your Name, also, The Place Promised in Our Dreams, The Garden of Words, and Five Centimeters Per Second. Oh, he also did Voices of a Distant Star. That's only one of the most devastating movies I've ever watched, so good. Yeah. You know, in retrospect yesterday, I really should have finished, made sure I fully finished the trailer trove. And done the outro, too, so I would know when I played it back uh, today, but... Well, that, that's a problem for future me. Oh, we actually do have two more thanks to Anne who reminded me where I was. We have a another trailer, what I think may be a final trailer for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Not much new is shown in this trailer, but it just shows us more of the movie, which I think still looks pretty good. Uh, this comes out this year. Let's see what time. 
Ooh, it should be coming out next week. So yeah, we have that to look forward to. One final trailer for that. And finally, I can't believe I almost forgot this one. We have the trailer for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. That is the Mr. Rogers biopic starring Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. This film is coming out. Let's see, when's it coming out? November 22nd, directed by Mariel Heller, uh, who directed last year's Can You Ever Forgive Me and 2015's Diary of a Teenage Girl. She's also an actress known for movies like A Walk Among the Tombstones and MacGruber. And I I really don't have anything to say based on, just based on her alone, because I haven't seen Can You Ever Forgive Me. I haven't seen The Diary of a Teenage Girl. Um, as an actress, I think she's just okay, not too memorable, but the fact is that what I can talk about, what I can judge this on is the trailer, which looks amazing. This movie looks beautiful. I may or may not have cried, and if you know me, you know that I probably did cry. The trailer is amazing, and if the movie is even half of what the trailer is, it's going to be a good movie. If the movie fully lives up to the trailer, we have a truly great movie on our hands that may be Tom Hanks's next Oscar nomination. And who knows, it may even bring director Marielle Heller and the two writers, Micah Fitzerman Blue and Noah Harpster. Why can't you people have regular names, Jesus Christ? Okay, might bring them Oscar nods too. This this looks really good. And there's no one else who could have played Mr. Rogers. I truly believe that. And as some of you may have known, we already saw one Hanks play Mr. Rogers before, and that was Colin Hanks, Tom Hanks' son, playing Mr. Rogers on an episode of Drunk History. So yeah, just a little different from the Mr. Rogers biopic, but there we go. Um, This movie doesn't focus on Mr. Rogers' entire life. It actually focuses on the friendship between Fred Rogers and a journalist named Tom Junod. And it's about this journalist who's been tasked with writing about heroes. And one of those heroes is Mr. Rogers. And he dives into the man's life and finds out that, yes, Mr. Rogers is one of the greatest human beings to ever walk this earth. I cannot wait for this. Uh, I would like to see it opening day or at least opening weekend. I think this is going to be a fantastic film that once again comes out November 22nd. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for the trailer trove. Please stay tuned as we hear a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle because I forgot I was spreading out the ads. So here we go. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast, SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. And welcome back. We are back with the show, back with the limited releases. Before we get into that, we have some uh, we have some releases that have already come and gone. Uh, we had on the first, there was a ninth annual Grateful Dead meetup at the movies, which is an annual release of footage previously unreleased, except for, you know, nine years ago, from a June 17th, 1991 concert at Giants Stadium, which is considered to be one of the band's greatest shows. Why am I still telling you about this, even though the time has passed and it's all over? Well, because maybe next year there will be another, thus a 10th annual Grateful Dead meetup at the movies that you can look forward to if you are a deadhead. You know, I- I've said it before, at least I think I've said it on the show. I, I was never a deadhead. I-, I don't get the great the appeal of the Grateful Dead. I mean, they're not bad, but 
I, I also didn't think they were that good. But if you're a deadhead, good for you. I, I'm so glad that you, and unsarcastically, I'm so glad that you, there's a band that you love that is no longer together because of time and death that you still get new, new with sarcastic air quotes, new stuff from. When my favorite band breaks up or someone dies, I'm probably not going to get shit because they, they're, they're not nearly as big as Grateful Dead. And uh, one movie I'm not going to talk about because uh, I'm not actually certain it's getting a theatrical release is uh, Kathy Griffin's new stand-up special. And um, I just hate her so much. She just she just rubs me the wrong way. And her type of comedy is just not funny. And when she gets political, it just gets so hateful. And you know what? There's just no need for that. Chill the fuck out, Kathy Griffin. Well, let's start with the first limited release movie called A Score to Settle. An ex-enforcer for a crime syndicate has vowed to enact retribution on his mob bosses after 22 years of wrongful imprisonment. The only thing diverting his violent plan is a newfound relationship with his son. This stars Nicolas Cage from Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Benjamin Bratt from Miss Congeniality. And even though I love both of these people, this movie just looks too, too basic and not worth anyone's time. I mean, maybe if you find it in a bargain bin somewhere for a couple bucks, pick it up. But other than that, I would skip this. Next up, we have a documentary called Jay Myself. Photographer Stephen Wilkes creates an intimate portrait of his mentor, Jay Maysell, as he leaves the 30,000 square foot building in the Bowery that he's inhabited and filled with his eccentric collection of beautiful random objects for the last 40 years known as The Bank. Uh, if you know who any of these f***ers are, maybe check this out, this could be up your alley, but um, no, no. And next up we have a film called Leo Da Vinci, Mission Mona Lisa. <laughs> it's the stupidest shit. it's so stupid. The name is so stupid. This idea is so stupid. I, I had to force myself to finish the trailer. I started watching the trailer when I was doing my show notes and I, stopped it halfway because i'm like no fuck this and then i thought what if what if the second half of the trailer brings it back what if something interesting happens and i'll tell you this spoiler alert nothing interesting happened this was the dumbest i have ever seen that's a lie i've seen dumber shit. Oh my god, I look so bad. Okay, I, I have to tell you what it's about. A young Leonardo da Vinci is struggling with his incredible inventions. One day, he meets a beautiful young woman who steals his heart. She could be named Mona or Lisa. I sh** you not. That's a line. Direct quote picked from the movie. Her friend, or his friend, asks, Oh, who's that girl you met? Oh, she came, she could be named Mona or Lisa. Oh, go f*** yourself, writer of this movie. Anyway, when there's a tragedy at her house, Leo and his friend must help in any way they can. If I ever m met the writer for this movie, if I ever met the writer, I would find it hard to not just slap them in the face because I feel offended. This offends me. And not even offended in some social justice warrior crying on, uh, crying on Twitter status. No, this offends me because it's so f***ing bad. I challenge all of you to watch the trailer for this movie and feel any positive emotion about it. Leo Da Vinci, like they're trying to make him cool. Hey, Leo, what's up, dude? I'm just painting. Met this chick. She could be named Mona or Lisa. I'm not sure. Okay, he sounded nothing like that. He sounded like Jay Burchell, but they didn't have the, the bonus of having Jay Burchell do the voice. The only way I would see this movie, the only way... I would even consider watching this is if this whole thing was written by some young kid who's dying of something and getting a movie made was their dying wish and all the proceeds go to cancer research, then I would watch it. I would actually just buy the ticket and then walk away and see something else instead. I don't think I ever mentioned that this movie was animated um, and no one of note doing voices. I mean, I, there's some people mildly famous, but I don't give a Instead, let's move on to Tel Aviv on fire. Salam, an inexperienced young Palestinian man, becomes a writer on a popular soap opera after a chance meeting with an Israeli soldier. His creative career is on the rise until the soldier and the show's financial backers disagree about how the show should end. And Salam is caught in the middle. This is an Israeli movie. Go figure, right? Uh, it does look pretty interesting. The... The trailer just didn't do enough to grab me, but it's one of those movies I'm going to put in the limited section that 
could still be good, but I just think the trailer didn't do it justice. Next up is a film called Piranhas. A gang of teenage boys stalk the streets of Naples, armed with handguns and AK-47s, you know, like regular kids, to do their mob boss's bidding. One of the boys falls for a young woman, but what future can they have as the dangers of his lifestyle become apparent? This is an Italian film, and could also be one of those like super indie, super artsy foreign flicks that really make it big, that catches a lot of people's eyes, or it could just go, we'll see which one. But my future fans, that is it for the limited section. Since the limited section was so short, let's have a short ad, which is an ad from We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. fine. And we're back. We are back with the wide releases and interesting indies. And we start with one called Otherhood. Three mothers who are longtime friends and empty nesters decide to drive to New York City to reconnect with their adult sons. In the process, they realize their sons are not the only ones whose lives need to change. This stars Angela Bassett from American Horror Story, Felicity Huffman from, ironically, American Crime, Patricia Arquette from Medium, and Jake Lacey from Carol. Uh, This movie looks basic. Uh, It looks like what you'd expect from a movie about three mothers who go on a road trip. I I mean, it doesn't look bad, but it's definitely made for a specific demographic. And while there's nothing necessarily wrong with movies like that, it's also very easy to tell if it's something you want to watch or not. The only reason that, the the best reason it made it in the wide releases and interesting indie section is that it's a Netflix original film. So even if you're mildly interested in it, you could give it a shot there. I I do think it looks funny. I'm surprised they didn't pull it because of Felicity Huffman. I really am. Or at least hold on to it for a couple years until all that shit starts to blow over and then release it. But either way, the movie is coming out. It's coming out on Netflix. Y'all have Netflix. We all have Netflix. So you can check that out this week. You know you know what a good analogy is or a good comparison is? For this movie, think of Girls Trip, but menopause. Just like if they did a dude's version of this, it would be just like The Hangover, but Viagra, or Metamucil, or whatever old men take. Ginkgo biloba and boxed wine, if you were my grandpa. <laughs> I'm not sure if I ever told this story on the show. Um, I think I did, but I think I left out a key part of it. Uh, when I was a kid, I saw in the... My grandpa had a fridge in the garage, like, for some reason, more people than I ever thought would do. And in that fridge, I saw a box that had a picture of fruit on it. It was like, oh, sick, fruit punch, f- yeah. I went and got a glass, filled it up, took a sip, spit it out. It was the grossest shit I had ever had. And it, I, I was a stupid kid. I was a really stupid kid. Um, and instead of pouring it out, I hid it. I don't know why I hid it. And uh, I it was eventually found out. I didn't get in trouble cause, just because he thought it was funny. But And he also wondered why I hid it. I was like, I, I don't know. I should have poured that shit out and washed the glass. That might have been a giveaway, though. I did a dish. <laughs> that would have been a big giveaway. God, I was dumb. All right, let's move on to the next movie, which is called... The Red Sea Diving Resort. Israel's Mossad agents attempt to rescue Ethiopian Jewish refugees in Sudan in 1977. So, you know, very uplifting. This stars Chris Evans from Not Another Teen Movie, Haley Bennett from The Magnificent Seven, the 2016 version, Michael Kenneth Williams from The Wire, Michael Hoisman from The Haunting of Hill House, you know, the dumbest f***ing character in the whole show, Ben Kingsley from House of Sand and Fog, and Greg Kinnear from As Good As It Gets. Oh, this movie looks interesting. It really does. It's good to see Chris Evans. It's good to see Chris Evans outside of Captain America again. Like, he's done a lot of movies. He really has. And he's done more movies not as Captain America than he has done as Captain America. But still, it's such an iconic role at this point that it's hard to remember that he was in other movies. It just so happens that another movie he did, and a lesser known one, is one of Anne's favorite movies and slowly becoming one of my favorite movies. And, of course, he was also Johnny Storm. We can't forget that. Anne pointed out a fun fact to me, actually, about 
uh, before we go. It's that movie that uh, one of her favorites slowly becoming becoming one of mine. Um, it was actually a movie directed by him. I thought it was really good. And yet another example of why uh, Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes are just bullshit is the Metacritic score for this movie is 31. That's 31 out of 100. And the user score is seven uh, 7.3, which is generally favorable. So yeah, long story short, f- critics. But check the movie out if you haven't seen it. It's super cute. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, but let's get back to the movie at hand, the Red Sea Diving Resort. It does look interesting. It looks good, but just like so many movies that come out, so many of these movies each and every week that look look good. It looks like it'll be entertaining, looks fun, but you won't really miss anything if you don't see it. Okay, a quick, quick aside. I'm drinking this beer. It's called Lager. Great name, right? By Ballast Point. And I just noticed something really stupid. A lot of you, my my future fans, probably listen to the Watch Your Mouth podcast, and you know how on that show, and I've commented on it too, uh, how serving sizes, especially for drinks, are stupid because you'll open a can and it's like, oh, two servings. So this beer is a 12-ounce serving, but it's 18.2 ounces. It's like, what motherfucker would drink this, drink 12 ounces and go, well, that's it. I'm going to put this in the fridge and drink that tomorrow. There's one word for people like that. Quitters. Okay, but enough enough of my tangents. A Red Sea Diving Resort. If you've seen a trailer for it, it looks interesting. This is an interesting true story, too. This is written and directed by Gideon Raff, who's been a writer on Homeland and Prisoner of War and Dig, and also directed Prisoners of War and Dig. So he may know what he's doing. Uh, it looks like a good movie, something that if you can check it out, if it, when it does come to streaming, actually it looks like it's coming to Netflix. Oh, I missed that the first time through. So yeah, definitely check this out then. Uh, that it's It's impressive how much difference a movie going straight to a streaming service can make. Like, if this came out in theaters, I would 100% skip it in theaters, maybe watch it later. But the fact that it's coming straight to a streaming service uh, really caught my interest now. And yes, that's even going to affect my score just because of because of ease of access. So yeah, that changes a lot. Uh, this now has become a little more interesting to me. The Red Sea Diving Resort gets a 7 out of 11. Oh, I didn't give Otherhood a... a Uh, review, did I? Otherhood gets a 6.5 out of 11. Next up, folks, we have a film called Love Antosha. This is a portrait of the life and career of Anton Yelchin. This is a documentary that's going to make me cry. Cry, cry, cry until I have no more tears left and I am so dehydrated that uh, I just cannot act anymore. Just even getting through the trailer for this was really hard. It, It was really hard to do. Especially because of the fact that there's this part in the trailer where his mother is talking and apparently he, I'm not sure if he did it every day of his life, but there's at least a part, a part of his life. He wrote a letter to her every day and she kept all of those. And part of the documentary, she brings it out and shows it to him and reads some and she looks crushed. And you know what? I I can't even imagine. I, I don't want to imagine. I don't ever want to go through what she has. I don't want anyone to go through what she has. That sounds devastating. Uh, I really want to see this one day, and I'm going to do it with a nice comedy, just to, just to make me smile afterwards, just because just this is going to hit you right in the feels. I really want to see this, but I'm not comfortable crying that much in public. Lava Antosha gets an 8 out of 11. Next up, we have a film called them that follow set deep in the wilds of appalachia where believers handle death dealing snakes to prove themselves before god them that follow tells the story of a pastor's daughter who holds a secret that threatens to tear her community apart this stars olivia coleman from the crown caitlin deaver from Booksmart, alice inglert i think from jonathan strange and mr norrell jim gaffigan looking creepier than he's ever been and from Super Troopers, Thomas Mann from Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl, Walton Goggins, good old f***ing Walton Goggins from The Shield, and Louis Pullman from Strangers, Pray at Night. So just like with Tel Aviv on Fire, this could equally be either a great film or something that just is too try-hard to be an, an artsy indie film and falls so short. The difference between the two is that Them That Follows delivered a better-looking trailer. 
and also the fact that I'm at least a little familiar with some of these actors, that helps too. This movie also runs the risk of really pissing me off because it's about a a Christian, quote-unquote, Christian community living out in the woods that's bordering on cultish. And that stuff always rubs me the wrong way. If I get pissed off at assholes in real life who use the Bible to spew hate, I'm gonna get pissed off at this shit. But it could also be really good. Them That Follow gets a 6.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a film called Loose. A married couple is forced to reckon with their idealized image of their son, adopted from a war-torn country after an alarming discovery by a devoted high school teacher threatens his status as an all-star student. This stars Kelvin Harrison Jr. from It Comes at Night, Octavia Spencer from The Help, Naomi Watts from King Kong, and Tim Roth from Pulp Fiction. And I don't like Octavia Spencer as a bad guy, because she could potentially be a bad guy in this movie, because the way this trailer is set up, she's the teacher that finds disturbing things that the son has been doing, but the son's saying, no, that's not what I meant. meant. It was just a, it was a school project, and this is what I meant by it. And the parents are wondering, who do we believe? We want to believe our kid, but also look at what the teacher said. Wouldn't she know too? So the movie obviously can go one of two ways, either... Luce is correct and the teacher is out to get him, or the teacher is correct and Luce has a screw loose. If Octavia Spencer is the bad guy, I, I don't like it just because she's so she seems so good at it that it just creeps me out. Like I never wanted to see Ma. I, I didn't, just because the, the whole idea, the whole premise is weird and creepy and gross. And as Anne pointed out, if you switched it, if Ma was actually called Pa and it was about this old man or older man, that doesn't mean to Octavia Spencer, an older man that's doing this to high school kids, it'd be, that movie would be protested. It would be rated, it would be rated NC-17. It would be super gross. But even if it wasn't that gross, she just really creeped me out in, in just the trailer. And also, I do have to be honest, movies like these make me anxious when I watch it, especially if it's that kind of movie where where it's obvious which side is right. Like it could be in the movie, it's obvious that Luce is being framed or it could go the, uh, the way of The Good Son. If you remember that Macaulay Culkin, Elijah Wood movie from the 90s where Macaulay Culkin is the bad guy and he's blaming Elijah Wood for it, that those movies just make me uncomfortable and I cannot handle it. But just because this isn't a movie I would ever want to see, you might like it. I'm also putting it in this section because it does look like it's it could be a good movie. Just nothing for me. So personally, I'm going to give this a 4 out of 11. But potential-wise, and potential for other people to like it, it, it should get more like a 7. But officially, because it's my show, Loose gets a 4 out of 11. Next up, we have a film called The Nightingale. And I was very disappointed by this, because for the reading rush, it was that, that readathon that was the reason I didn't do an episode last week. For the reading rush, I finished reading a book, I had 200 pages left of it, uh, a book that Anne recommended to me, called The Nightingale. And I loved it. It was a fantastic book. I think everyone should read it. It was really well done. And it's being turned into a movie. This is not that movie. This looks way different. This is the movie that we've talked about in the news segment a couple times, where in a screening for this movie, people walked out because the main actress was raped too much. And after the second or third rape, this guy in the audience cried out enough already and walked out. Uh, but I should tell you what it's about first and who's in it. So let's start with this. Set in 1825, Claire, a young Irish convict, chases a British officer through a rugged Tasmanian wilderness. She's bent on revenge for terrible acts of violence he committed against her and her family. On the way, she enlists the services of an aboriginal tracker named Billy, charming name, who is also marked by trauma from his own violent-filled past. This stars Aisling Falciosi from Game of Thrones, Sam Claflin from Me Before You, and introducing Bekali Ganambar as Billy. So this is an indie film, so why did it make it in this section? 
uh, because I think it got sold enough that I've seen the trailer enough. I've heard enough buzz about it that even though it's not technically a wide release, I thought it deserved talking about here. And if you've listened to the show for a while, you know my stance on not only sex in movies, but especially rape in movies. It is nothing we need to see. It is unnecessary. You can apply it and it would serve the same purpose. It would still make your blood boil. It'd still make you feel bad for the person being raped and feel anger towards a person doing the raping. But to have a movie that has so much in the first half that people are walking away, that to me says, no way will I ever watch this shit. I think writer-director Jennifer Kent has a f***ing screw loose. Of course, she's also the writer and director of The Babadook, so we already know we can't trust her for shit. We already know that she's awful at her job and should quit and do something else. But this is just, I, I don't get it. I bet you she has some very good reason why she showed so much of it. I bet you she has, there's some artsy bullshit reason that she can justify so much graphic violence. Any movie that can make a clockwork orange look tame as far as shock value goes is nothing I want to watch. The only notable thing about this, the only positive I could say is that the film does look beautiful from the, you know, non-rape scenes I've seen in the trailer. And I get it. We're supposed to cheer for this young woman who is chasing this man who has wronged her through the Tasmanian wilderness. We're supposed to support her as she strives to kill him and I assume she's going to kill him, and I, and I assume we're supposed to cheer when that happens. But we don't need to see this sh**. They can imply it. They can imply it, and we would still feel just as bad for her. And we would still want to see the motherfucker killed just as bad. Hell, Anne just threw a good idea my way and said that when, like, we could have this bad guy throw her on the bed or throw her on the ground or whatever and just, like, fade to white, and then it's afterwards... And that would serve just as good a purpose. And remember, folks, this is the same person, Jennifer Kent, I'm sorry, is the same person who said in an interview that if people want to walk out, they have the right to. F***ing thank you, Jennifer Kent, for the right to walk out of your snuff film movie. Because I would have just sat there going, I wish I could leave, but the f***ing director didn't allow me to. You know, I, I, I do, I do fully believe that Jennifer Kent has some good reason that she did this. I bet you there's a, a really good plan in her head, but I don't give two flying shits what that, what that plan was. In her head, she probably had a good idea, but what she's putting forth onto a plate for us is a steaming pile of shit. The Nightingale gets a zero out of 11. I would rather do a 24-hour forced stream where they tie me down and tape my eyes open. I would rather watch Leo da Vinci Mission Mona Lisa for 24 hours straight than watch this movie once. One of the most hated books I have ever read was Every Heart a Doorway by Shannon McGuire. I would rather read fan fiction for that book series for a whole month than watch this film. All I can say is, Jennifer Kent, may you forever get statically shocked when you open a door. Now let us get that bad taste out of our mouth as we talk about a good movie. A good, bad movie. Say it with me, folks. The pick of the week is nothing other than Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Lawman Luke Hobbs and outcast Deckard Shaw form an unlikely alliance when a cybernetically enhanced villain threatens the future of humanity. Because of course he is. Of course he's threatening humanity as a whole. This stars Fast and Furious alumni Dwayne Johnson, Jason Statham, and Helen Mirren. It also stars newcomers to the series Idris Elba from Thor Ragnarok, Vanessa Kirby from The Crown, Isaac Gonzalez from Baby Driver, and Joe Anoai, aka WWE superstar Roman Reigns. This movie is everything I want out of movies. It's everything. You know me. You know me, you know I love, so I do love my artsy films. I have a, a plethora of them that I do and love, that I do enjoy. I could talk about fancy uh, indie directors and go, oh, I loved this movie by him. I love this movie by her. They, they are wonderful. But this sh is why movie theaters were invented, to watch big, 
over-the-top, exciting shit like this. Jason Statham is driving some sort of armored car and does a spiral flip out of a building in the car to avoid a missile. That is what I need. The Rock is standing in the back of a car, throws a chain with a hook at the end to get a helicopter, and another car links to that car with a chain, and another car to that car with a chain, and the first car is pulled off this cliff, and The Rock is holding onto the helicopter. That is what I want. That is what I need. That sounds stupid. This whole premise sounds stupid, but it looks so enjoyable. You all know this. You all know why I love the Fast and the Furious series, because the first two I honestly liked. The first one was good. Second one was entertaining. Third one was silly. Fourth, eh. But then with the fifth one on, they found their stride. They're like, you know what? Let's go over the top. Let's go ridiculous. Let's just focus on fun. And that is what this series, that's what this spinoff series is doing. If you watched the trailer and didn't laugh, I want to check you for a pulse. Because that looks hilarious. It looks enjoyable. It looks so fun. This film is the very definition that I look for in a theatrical release. I talked about wanting to see La Ventosha. Uh, Red Sea Diving Resort looks fun. Otherhood could be good. All those movies I would love to watch at home. Hobbs and Shaw, I need to see on the big screen. I need that huge screen to show me some over-the-top bullshit. Do you remember... In the last Fast and Furious movie, at the very end, spoiler warning, at the very end, when Vin Diesel ramps off that submarine and flips his car through the air to knock a missile off course, that was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen, and I loved it. I loved it. It was so fun. I don't understand people that can't see a movie for the fun of it. Hey, if these movies aren't up your alley, that's fine. That's your thing. But I at least hope that you can see where I'm coming from with this. I at least hope that you too have something, some movie series, some sort of film that you may not look at as a typical, as a, as a technically good film, but you love to see it in theaters. You know what? If you don't get where I'm coming from, if you don't get what I'm trying to say, you know what? Email me, tweet me, hit me up on Instagram, let me know. And I will be kind. I promise I will be kind, but I will try to explain it to you. I have a metric crap ton of movies on my shelf that I would never, ever, 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 ever classify as a technically good film, but are a lot of fun. I think Citizen Kane is one of the best movies ever made. I think actors and actresses like Marlon Brando, James Dean gave us some great films to use as an example of how to make a great movie. But ain't none of them can do anything close to this. This level of pure enjoyment, that is what I love. Ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to movies, I hope that there is something that you love just as much as I love ridiculous action flicks like this. I hope you have something you love as much as I love them, and I hope that when they come out, you take every opportunity to see it. Because this is why I go to the movies. I go to the movies to be entertained. You already know what score this is going to get. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw gets an 11 out of 11. You know, that's why I'm so proud of myself when an artsy film is my pick of the week. Because I'm like, see, see, I like other sh**, but Jesus, this stuff is great, isn't it? Well, let us hear a word from our, our final, our final ad from our good, good friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. So please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. 
wall-to-wall filthy fucking language go to a grocery store i'm like i know exactly what i need i get in there i'm like yeah <laughs> the f did i even come here for with our charity swear jar every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction the motherfucker's a mouth breather gaming movies life musings it's all here served on a bed of fucks and garnished with a crown of shut the f up how the f did we get here fuck all that a jelly bean so if you want to hear us do good things with bad words check out the watch your mouth podcast on iTunes. ITunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, we are back with the question of the week. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as it turns out, we didn't actually get any answers for the question of the week. Let me just do a quick double check. All right, just double checked, no answers. So I do really like this question and it could have something to do with the fact that I had a two week break and I also didn't post a reminder on Twitter and Instagram. So I'm gonna shelve this question for now. And if you don't remember what the question was, it was which kids movie do you think would be interesting if it was rated R? Or the way I phrase it was take a kids movie, change the rating to R, which movie would be the most interesting? So instead of repeating that question for this week, I'll, I'll put it in my back pocket, just hold on to it, and instead, I have a new question. Because this week, in this episode, I talked a lot about bad movies. I really think The Nightingale looks terrible, and I talk about how Hobbs and Shaw and movies like it may not be good, but they're fun. And also the Leonardo da Vinci animated one looks terrible. So with that in mind, let's go with this question. Watching bad movies is a new form of torture. Which movie? would you pick to make a prisoner watch? Well, my future friends, I am sorry that we didn't have more to talk about in this segment, which makes me wish I did space out the ads a little more, but I will remember next week. So until that time, let us jump into the closing housekeeping and I will send you along your way to listen to the other great shows in the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as any podcast app. You can also find me on the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. All the stars possible. And then share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts, which are also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Support the friends of the shows whose ads you've heard during this episode. And don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>